G'day, g'day. This is Rita Joyan and welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. Today we've got with us Lysia Heath. Lysia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rita. Thanks for having me. You know, I was telling you before we press record that I'm excited to have you because you are the CEO, the Chief Executive for Women for Election. That's right. And so you are you running the organization that provides training for women to prepare them to get into a position of government, whether that be local, state or federal. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. So now my first question to you um, is to find out exactly how did you even get into this position to <laughs> navigate or, you know, you know, you know, just clear the terrain for women to find their space in a political arena. So how did you get into the role of CEO? Yeah, well, great question. And I mean, it explains, I've had a bit of an unusual journey, I would say the last five years, but, you know, I had a a wonderful career in finance and funds management for a long time. And I was sitting at my desk, I guess, getting increasingly agitated when I look back um, at uh, the political landscape, mm -hmm. uh, not just in Australia, but um overseas as well and I guess getting frustrated like many people many listeners no doubt uh, about what seemed to me to be fairly straightforward um, paths that we needed to take in terms of policy mm. but the complete lack of movement and execution on those policies um, and I ended up taking a sabbatical from my career, thinking that I might aim for a career change, really. Uh, so I took a sabbatical in 2017 um, and I spent that whole year <laughs> at a whiteboard in my office at home. I, I, I didn't know exactly what my future career would be, but I did know it would be something about improving the landscape of Australia's politics. Um, and I spent that whole year meeting with politicians, uh, think tanks, policy producers, staffers, heads of not-for-profits and all sorts of things, writing this flowchart back on my whiteboard of where I thought things were going wrong. And I, I came across an organisation called Women for Election in my, in my year uh, and I attended, I was an attendee at the first ever training event that they ran in 2017, which is in New South Wales Parliament House. And it it clearly fizzed me up uh, <laughs> because um, five months later I was on their board and then I was helping them with their strategy and putting together future training events and and working out the agenda for, for events and so I was attending a lot of things that they were running as a board director. Um, and there was a couple of things that I just kept hearing over and over and over through those sessions, which was because I, I, I thought I would want to run one day myself. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't have immediate ambition to do it. It was just a one day scenario. But I kept hearing from all those politicians, uh, you know, you'll never feel ready. You'll never feel ready. It's like having a baby. You never feel ready. You will never feel ready, but step forward anyway. Um, and the other message over and over was timing is everything. Um, so if you have the opportunity to run when there's been some massive disruption in some 
in some way, then your likelihood of either getting elected or massively influencing the outcome is is really magnified. Mm -hmm. And then within a matter of months, within my federal electorate, which was the seat of Wentworth, um, where my local MP was also the Prime Minister, mm -hmm. um, he he stepped down and and that thrust our electorate into a into a by election. Uh, very unexpectedly, um, it was going to decide the balance of power in Parliament. The whole nation was focused on it, and I decided to step forward, even though I wasn't ready. Wow. <laughs> um, and and that experience was one of the most positive of my life. Um, really? Yeah, it was the exact opposite, literally, to what. 99.9% .9 of people told me, they said, don't do it, Lysia, you know, oh. um, you're going to get trolled, you, uh, they're going to go garbage, you're going to get, uh, yeah, um, it wasn't, it was, it was, it was so positive and, and I didn't win, but I did change the conversation just by running and the ultimate winner adopted my policy platforms in full, which is a win. Wow. And that was Karen Phelps who that won? That was Karen Phelps, yeah. And so, and it just reframed my whole, oh, hang on, there's lots of definition of success mm. when you run. It's not just about getting elected. And once the dust settled on that, I went back to the Board of Women for Election and said, I'd like to be the inaugural CEO. Um, I had so many women approach me in my own campaign saying, can I buy you lunch or coffee? at the end of this, because I'd like to do the same thing one day, but I have no idea how to get started. And and my pitch to the board was, you know, we're playing down here and we could be up here. There's a real need, but we need a dedicated CEO. I'd like to be that person. And and that was three years ago. And you found your calling. Isn't, isn't that amazing? You went through one avenue and it detoured you to what you're doing right now. Isn't that just fascinating? I knew I wanted a role in improving Australian political landscape, but I didn't know what that was. And I guess I kind of invented a role. Um, <laughs> How entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's in the benefit of hindsight and you see mm. it's about it's about taking the opportunities when they present and that is something that is key to a lot of the training that we do now okay. as well. So take a deep breath when you're like, it's like when you're jumping into the pool and you're like, and the cold just kind of, kind of catches you. Is that's how it feels like when you're jumping in and you don't think you've got all the tools? Well, you don't, yeah. My, my six-year plan got compressed to six weeks. And wow. guess what? I, um, I not only did I survive, I thrived. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why coming out that other end going, well, hang on, all, that's, all that hideous stuff that everybody told me would happen none of it happened and and that is not to minimize at all mm. that sometimes that stuff happens it's not to minimize that but it doesn't always happen and and culturally I think in Australia we are very very well informed mm -hmm. uh, as a public about all the negatives of going into politics mm. overly informed mm. um but we we don't focus enough, and again, that's part of our mission, on highlighting all the benefits that come when just ordinary um, people and the public engage and run and on occasion get elected. Many more benefits than negatives.
so Lucia, that's really important. So then let me, because I've always been very, I guess, cautious of politics because of that. In fact, when I was in high school, I remember talking to my friends and saying, um, you know, I think I might go into politics. And my history teacher that I loved her, she heard me. She said, Rita, I had more respect for you. And I just went, oh, so it must mean the politics is like, and that stuck with me because I thought maybe politics is something that devalues you. Yep, and that so there you go, Exhibit A. And mm. I've been at I've been at barbecues where you know somebody, be it a man or a woman, says, you know what, I think I might run for local council when the elections mm. come up. And then the eight people in that circle go, "Are you crazy?" Da da da. You know, da, da, da. and what we need to do, and I think, and I think this is something that's changing now, and it just it's so inspiring for me, is when someone says that we go. Yes, you should go for it. Uh, I'd love to see someone like you elected. How can I help? Now that would be refreshing. That would be refreshing. So yeah. tell me, Alicia, what I know the benefit for yourself was the fact that you ran and then that paved the way for you to becoming CEO for women for election. Well, what other benefits are there for running, even if you don't get elected? Oh, look, there's so many measures of success that we, and, you know, women who attend our course, it's something mm -hmm. that we get them to write down saying, why is it that you want to run? Is it, are you pissed off? Are you passionate? Is it because you're political? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the three Ps we call it, maybe it's a combination of all three. Um, but what is it that you want to achieve? It, it, do you want to get elected? And if it is because you want, want to get elected, why do you want to be elected? Like what is it that you want to achieve? Because we don't need more people elected that are there because ego is driving them. That That's not what we need more of. Um, but the measures of success might be that um, somebody else sees you run and you inspire them that they could do the same thing as well. You don't even know that you've done that, but mm. that could be one measure of success. Another could be that you um, you won't get elected this time because um, on average it takes three times to run to get elected, you know, and that's not gendered. That's the same for men. Really? So, yeah. Julia Gillard ran three times before she got elected. She she talks about that. So, you know, this this idea of, well, I'm not going to run because I don't have the skills yet to get elected. Well, you know, here's, here's what I'm telling you. The likelihood that you get elected the first time is is small. So, um, so let's, you know, shed that fear about I'm not ready Um because you'll use that, you'll, you'll increase your skill, you'll increase your profile, you'll increase your following, your volunteer network. The sooner you start, the closer you will be to getting elected. Okay. Um, so it might be that you're starting that path. It might be that um, you're worried that if you don't get involved uh, in an election, whether it's a federal or state or involved in your local council, that a certain issue just isn't going to be raised because it's a contentious issue. So if you step forward and say, I know you don't want to talk about asylum seeker reform, or I know you don't want to talk about how um, polluted the local lake is, because that's going to not shine well on the incumbent, but I'm going to make you talk about that. Mm. So, you know, it just brings um, 
an integrity uh, to the whole process and and uh, honesty and diligence to the incumbent as well. So there's lots of measures of success. Okay. Thank you for that. So then if I am listening to this and I think, you know, what if I were to, you know, dip my toe in and think, you know, what is it about to be elected for office? Like how does the process go? What's step one that you would encourage me to do? Well, for the first first point is we we've put a lot of resources on our website about, you know, so you want to, so you're thinking about getting elected. Mm-hmm. Well, here's some things that you should consider. Is it what, what's important to you, if it's um, local sustainability, then maybe getting involved at the local government level is interesting for you. If it's public education, then maybe it's the state level. Yeah. Um, if it's economic reform, then it'd be the federal level. So these, you know, understand which lane it is that mm. you're interested in. You know, do you want to run for a major party or do you want to run as an independent? Do you want to run as a minor party? Um, okay. You know, it's, our mission is to make what is currently very opaque yes. more transparent. Yes. Because yes. when it's opaque, people don't engage. But the more transparent you make it, the more likely people are to step into it. And I would argue particularly women as well. Women want just that extra, you know, all the data and research shows that women want that extra amount of information before they step into mm-hmm. a role. Um, and politics is no different. So let's make it transparent. Um, so come to one of our events, be it one of our masterclasses or our candidate training or we run networking events. Um, dip your toe in the water and and then you work out what you don't know. <laughs> and you know we can we can help fill that gap. And that's womenforelection.org. Is that the website? Yeah, it's wfe.org.au. Wfe.org.au. Brilliant. Okay. Yep. So my, I was going to ask that question, how would you know if you're wanting to run for local, state or federal? But as you said, depends on the issues that you feel passionate about yeah. is where you would go. Does it make a difference? Is it easier at local level to run than it is for federal, for example? It definitely does. So that so that one in three, if you're looking at local government, you're you're a lot more likely to be elected the first time you run at the local government level. Uh, and also there's thousands and thousands of positions across the country for local government. So you're talking about a, a bigger universe of okay. positions as well. And then, you know, that ratchets smaller for state governments and then smaller again for federal. So just on a on a straight um, mathematical basis. Okay. Um, but it's interesting because I think I think too often a lot of people dismiss local government as a, um, you know, as an uh, not worthy of their time mm. level of government. But gee whiz, if people knew exactly how much decision making sits at the local government level, then I think they would change their mind. And you flip that on its head. If when when they're absent from that chamber, um, <clears throat> poor decisions can occur as well. Okay. And it's a natural launching pad for state and federal po- politicians as well. Okay. So it would be an easier transition into state and then federal should you go for local level government? Yeah, easier easier for some people, I think. Not everyone feels they need to do that path, mm. but mm. Um, 
it's a great training ground. And actually, I've asked the Federal Parliamentary Library right now to do some research, <clears throat> just to look at all the current MPs and senators, because I want to know how many of them started their career in council. Oh, in council. Wow. Okay. Okay. That, that would be... Are you okay? Okay. <coughs> <laughs> Take a drink, you poor thing. I know, I was <laughs> trying to fight that. Sorry. No, no, no. Feel free to take a drink anytime. That's no problem. So I so that would be an interesting research into who yeah. did actually start at the very local level. I mean, you have to be, I guess what my question is, what do you see? So when someone comes to you and they come to your event, what kind of trainings do you give someone to get them, you know, ready to rock and roll and get a feel for the for the, the terrain that is politics and being elected? Yeah, well, there's a, a number of different courses that we run. I would say our bread and butter course is called our Equip course, mm -hmm. and that is really running through the A to Z of how you would run a campaign and everything that you need to know about it from making sure that you're eligible to, to run to completing paperwork to understanding what the financial commitment would would be what the time commitment would be how to build a campaign team how to accept yeah. donations um in a governance framework you know literally it goes yeah. it, it really is breaking down the whole thing into a to-do list and then that how that might alter a little bit if it's uh at the council level versus the federal level how it just scales up and scales down and also um, what it would look like if it's with a major party or a minor party or, or as an independent, you know, mm. nothing's that divorced from each other in terms of how it looks. There's just some nuances that mm. people need to, to know about and how would they know about it? Yeah. Okay. It's just, yeah. it is, it's, uh, some would say, and I think I'm in that camp, it's kept deliberately opaque. Um, and I also do believe like your history teacher or like the people sometimes that um you know narrative that is politics is toxic mm. sometimes I think that's maintained to keep us out as well because often too often I hear the people that are saying that like don't get involved you wouldn't want to be a part of it you know it's dog eat dog stuff like um, is often somebody who's elected who 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 runs again. Oh. So it can't be all that bad. <laughs> so, and, you know, I'm just on this mission now to say just keep in mind that maybe that narrative is maintained to keep some of us out and I'm not playing that game anymore. Wow. That's, that's a very interesting way of seeing it. So... To keep him. I mean, because I have never, I mean, I, I interviewed the chief minister of Canberra, I interviewed the opposition leader and one of the ministers, and I was trying to dissect from them how it works, how they did their campaigns. Because how else do you find out about these things? You know, like you can't, you can't Google it, you can get some definitions, but no one to explain like what you're doing. You sit down and I'm going to take you through step by step what's involved. Because I know pre-selection is a whole different gamut than when you're actually going for the so what's what's involved in pre-selection? So that's before you can say, I'm going to run, you have to be selected if you're running with a party. Is that right? 
That's exactly right. And in fact, that's some of the other courses that we run. So we run a series of masterclasses as well. And and this month's masterclass was on pre-selection. So um, we had someone from the Labor Party, someone from the Liberal Party next to each other talking about their pre-selection processes. Mm. I don't know if that's ever happened anywhere before, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, we made it happen. So I think... Yeah, pre-selection is like the campaign that you run before mm-hmm. you run your political campaign. Yeah. And depending on which party you're with, depending on which state you're in, um, then the the nuances of how that process runs is a, is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's important not only to have good visibility about how it works, but also have a a bit of a champion through that process as well. Somebody that can just carve the path in front of you a little bit mm-hmm. um, to, to help you through the, the machinations of okay. pre-selection. But, um, but, you know, I think, again, we spend a lot of time working with the major parties about what we do. And, you know, there's some women that, that come through our courses and then say, right, Lysia, can you help me connect into the South Australian Liberal Party now? Or can you help connect me into the New South Wales Labor Party because I want to run, um, you know, my my values align with those parties and I, and I want to run. But it's, it, it's important for everyone to keep in mind that how people used to find out about this information was joining a party and attending local branch meetings and, and, and finding out on the ground. But mm-hmm. as, as we know, membership of the parties is in decline. Uh, there's for less both parties? Of, yep. Okay. Yep. For all parties pretty well. Oh, okay. And for all, for all membership-based organisations as well, whether that's scouts or the tennis clubs or, you know, the member people are not paying up to be members of things as much as they used to be. Mm. Um, so if that was the old way of how you used to find out about it and people aren't doing that anymore, what, how do they find out? Well, that vacuum is what I think we're feeling, mm-hmm. um, particularly for women and non-binary folks. So, yeah. well, that's what excited me when I just even read the title of what you do because I thought, oh, women for election! Like, what is it that they do? And I got so excited reading about you guys because I thought, where has this been? I mean, I've never noticed them. And and I wanted to just also emphasize the fact that your the masterclasses that you run. Obviously, you just said you finished one on pre-selection. You will be running those again, like the, yeah. the continuous classes that people can just join. Um, yeah, they're so- open to the public. Like they are just, they'll be on our website. We're scheduling out our 2023 calendar right now. So I'm hoping in the next four weeks, you'll see at least the first six months of 2023 up on our website in terms of future candidate training and also masterclass series as well nice so if somebody were to enroll into one of the classes the masterclasses or the equip course and goes through it and says actually no this is not for me that's okay for them to just go i've i've i now understand oh my yes Uh, look there's a good percentage of women who go through our um equip course who come out the other side and say right I'm crystal clear now. I don't yeah. want to run. Yeah. Um, and that's that's still success because that's yeah. an informed decision as distinct from 
deselecting something that you haven't even considered <laughs> before. Mm. Um, but I tell you what, those women who decide they don't want to be front of house, they understand the process fully now and they are 100% committed to helping another woman get elected because they understand that it takes a team mm. to get one person elected. Yeah. And now they see how their skill set can can plug into the different skills that are required in a campaign team. Oh. Um, so, you know, I think uh, not everyone wants to be front of house that, mm. and that is, that is fine and as it should be. Uh, but there's so many different roles that people can help. And, it, and it's been very inspiring for me to see that um, women suddenly are volunteering on campaigns and they've, they've never even done that in their entire life. You know, they're 55 years old, mm. never handed out for anyone. And, but now they're being a scrutineer for someone on election night because they know what a scrutineer is because we're not taught. We're not taught. Well, what is a scrutineer? Yeah, there you go. So a scrutineer is the person that once all the ballots come in, you know, it's 6 p.m. and voting closes, um, all that back-of-house rolls start happening when they're counting, mm -hmm. counting the votes, and a scrutineer is somebody that works for um, you know, the ALP candidate or the Liberal candidate, Greens or the, the independent candidate, and they watch those, oh. they, they, they scrutinise, they okay. watch those votes being put in their different piles and then they watch how those piles then move into different piles as preferences get distributed. So they're, they're like the, they have to keep their hands behind their back. They're not allowed to touch okay. any of the votes, okay. but they're the ones that oversee that the right things are happening. And that one is a one. That's not a seven. That's a one. Put that in the one pile. <laughs> I never knew that one. I thought we just it's on a trust basis. We're going to trust people that are counting. They're going to do the right. But I didn't know there was scrutineers. Yeah, each candidate gets to have scrutineers into into each of those polling places. So That's an important yeah. role. Now that is and ginormous. Nothing, nothing will teach you more about how Australia's voting system works, as in how preferences distribute and things like that, than being a scrutineer. Okay. Yeah, Jeez, do it, Rita. I want you convincing me to be a scrutineer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, the different, the Victorian Electoral Commission, NT Electoral Commission, Australian Electoral Commission, before each election, they're always looking for, for staff or volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's another great way to go and, and learn about it. It's fascinating and it's a great education process that everybody should get exposed to at some point. I love that. I love that. You know, um, I wanted to comment on, because I'm in Canberra, and the one Senate seat that was occupied, I think, for 20 years by the Liberal candidate has just, in this election this year, has been ousted by an independent who has yes. never run before, uh, yeah. David Pocock. And what I'd like to ask you, the fact that he, because you said it takes a minimum of three goes before you get elected, and he got in the first go as an independent, yeah, hoisting off a you know a warm seat for a liberal. What do you think played into that? How did he get elected first go? 
Well, look, that three times is an average, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you get a Zali Stegel and a David Pocock every now and then, and mm-hmm. then you get somebody that's run for seven times and gets elected. So mm-hmm. look, there was a there was a phenomenon across the the country, wasn't there, in terms of um searching for independence names on ballot sheets that that just hasn't occurred mm-hmm. before and a a greater quantum of independence that we were able to vote for as well. So a lot of unprecedented in that respect. Um, in the ACT, to run as an independent for the Senate, your ability to get elected is, is much better than if you were running as an independent in um, New South Wales, for example. So um, for the for the Senate as well. So there, there are some places where, um, and the ACT is one of them, where it just, the maths stack up, stacks up a lot better than in other places. Really? Uh, so, you know, I was, I was watching the, um, the ACT closely because one of our graduates was running against, um, David and oh. so, but you know, David's, uh, the, and, I have firsthand experience of this reader running as an independent myself and uh, against Karen Phelps. And then, um, you know, when somebody enters that has a high profile and a high public following, whoo, your work is cut out for you then. It's Mm -hmm. very hard Mm -hmm. to grab the mic from that point on. So, um, and and Canberra seems to have largely got in behind David, which Mm -hmm. is fantastic and his workload is going to be considerable in the yes, game. Yes, yeah. And I, and I do echo what you're saying there. To have a profile is something that just distinguishes you. It's it's like the the advantage that you really need. You know, it, it's it totally, and he does because he was the captain of the football wallabies. I think it was football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the wallaby, yeah, r- rugby union. Yeah, rugby, rugby, rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the, I mean, I, but I, I, I personally didn't know he, he, he was just a candidate to me. I don't watch a rugby yeah. union, so I didn't know. But many others did, obviously, and therefore, um, you know, gave him that platform because there are other candidate independents that were, you know, competing against him as well, who didn't rank at all, but because of his profile. So, do you think that establishing a profile is something of is worth value before jumping in? Well, um, well, it's certainly something that we talk about in our courses. Now, again, if you're running for a federal seat versus your local government seat, then, you know, you need a profile that's fit for purpose for the level that you're running for. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, you, you, you need a profile for those in your electorate. So um, it's that's who votes for you at the end of the day. So if you, and this is what is, you know, this is why we did this massive campaign power like you've never seen um, before the federal election. So many women are known in their local community for doing amazing work. They might run a big campaign on something. They might run a a Facebook page that has 5,000 followers, They, you know, they might run the local PNC or the, you know, Eastern Suburbs uh, AFL Auskick or something like that. So um, they have a community presence. Uh, if you say to them, you know, you've got a community presence, they'll go, no, I don't. 
<laughs> but they do. Mm. Um, and so often they are doing nine-tenths of what a good political representative does, which is being out in the community, seeing what needs improving in the community and then improving it. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's the role of a politician. Yeah. Um, and what I see women do all over the country every day, and they've always done it, They've always been the power in the local community that keeps the community going. Mm. It's nearly always in a volunteer capacity, um, which is very noble, but, it, geez, it keeps us busy. Yeah. Um, and it also keeps us out of things like parliamentary chambers. So what we are doing with this campaign of, you know, if you care, you're qualified. That is what we are doing, saying yeah, power like words. That's beautiful. Thank you. You're qualified. Yes. Because because I've traveled all over the country now and I, I have just conversations over and over again with highly capable women that are already doing work with their community, might have been doing it for one year might have been doing it for 40 years mm. and then I say to them you should run and they go oh, I can't do that and I'd say you're already doing it mm. you're already doing it but obviously often what they do is they'll look at that that politician who's often often a man in the chamber and say I can't do that and we say good <laughs> We don't wow. want more of that. Wow. That's, That's not what we want. Yeah. We want not ego-led, community-led. Mm. So, um, you know, I think part of what I've realised and grown in this position over these three years is that we are not an organisation that provides leadership skills. We are an organisation that wants women who already have the skills to self-identify as a future political leader. Mm. So, and it's it's a nuance, but it's just about mm. rebranding power, Rita, is what we're doing. Ooh, Ooh these are all slogans. You see all this? Is all <laughs> yeah, I know. You get some hashtags here. <laughs> so, and when you, if you were to look at, First of all, when you ran back in 2018, how long, that whole campaign, how long was that campaign for? How long did you campaign? Six weeks. Okay, so six weeks, that's six weeks campaigning, and that's then there's work before that in preparation for that six weeks. So you'd say probably about it took you 12 weeks all up? Yeah, I'd say about about 10 weeks. You know, the, a by-election is a just a, a yes. whirling dervish yes. in terms yeah, of yeah. Um, yeah, so it's... But like I said before, I wasn't ready. Okay. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, you weren't I ready. I stepped forward anyway. Yeah. And so so 10 weeks. And can I please ask you, for someone that's listening right now and thinking, I know the course will tell me how much time it will take, and but how much funding is required for a campaign approximately? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's such an important question. And, again, it's a sliding scale. So mm. if you're running for um, a council, and your council is divided into wards, then mm. that ward is who votes for you. And, and that might be 
you know, a quadrant of streets that you can easily letterbox. So I've seen people win council campaigns with the cost of registering to run as a candidate, you know, mm-hmm. 100 bucks. Um, whereas, you know, mayor of Sydney or mayor of Melbourne, you know, the big city councils, mm-hmm. um, that could be in the quantum of a $100,000. But that's now capped too. So you, you can't spend beyond, I think it might be capped now to 90,000, but don't, don't quote me on that. So, okay. but a standard suburban person might spend $5,000. Okay. okay. Now okay. a state seat might be $50,000 and a federal seat might be a hundred thousand dollars, but it's um, depends on whether you're running for a party, mm. depends on whether you're running as an independent, depends whether you're in an, um, you know, Wentworth, my federal electorate, is one of the smallest electorates in the country. But if you're running on in one of the big rural or remote electorates, you know, that, that can be um, half the size of a state. Wow. Okay. And that has, if you're going to get around to the four corners of those, of that electorate, then that is more costly. So, um it's not an easy question to answer, <laughs> um, but I hope I've just given a, a yeah. rough. And then a big part of that is how do you fundraise to fund mm-hmm. that? Um, and that's something that we, you know, we've run masterclasses on fundraising and it, and it's a part of our equip course as well. Okay. Okay. Because that was going to be my next question. How do you raise the money? Because I assume, I assume, not not sure, if you're running with a party, they might give you some money, do they? Uh, yes. So certainly if you are running with a party, then you have a lot more resources to hand. Um, sometimes I think, uh, or at least the anecdotal evidence back to me is I thought I joined a party, ran for a party. I didn't think I'd have to fundraise, but I did. In fact, that was a very big component still of my campaign. Um, so, and then it depends what seat you're in. So if you're in a um, bellwether, like a, you know, a highly prized seat versus a seat where you're not going to win with mm. that party, then that that funding, um, oh. funnel, you know, changes as well. Mm. So, yeah. So oh, it's interesting. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is the this is the thing. Let's let's be transparent about what what happens. So. But uh, there's no question that if you run with the party, you have more resources to hand, whether that's, um, um, you know, printing or um, advertising or, you know, social media um, team and, and things like that. So they're, they're really important things to consider. Okay. Okay. This is this is amazing. I love I'm loving this conversation. Absolutely love because it. it's. I want you at our next training, Rita. Yeah. Our training. <laughs> sign up for our Feb course. Okay, <laughs> it's coming up. It's coming up. So, I when I interviewed Lucia, when I interviewed the Chief Minister, opposition and his ministers, I asked them this same, one this one question, and I want to ask you the same. I get, get your response. I said to them, "Is politics like an instrument? It has to be well played." Or is it like a sport that you need to compete in? Or is it like being on stage? It's an act that you've got, and it's a performing act that you have to have on. Do you think it's any of those three or is it all three? 
I think it's all three. Yeah. I, I do think it's all three. Um, something that we say at the outset of our equip course, and I, um, I've got to pay homage to my co-facilitator in the equip course, um, Ruth McGowan, and we we talk about um, <clears throat> assumptions and you know, we assume if you're all here tonight wanting to learn this, then you understand that politics is competitive. Mm. It is competitive. You have to have um, some something in your spirit that wants to forge ahead mm-hmm. um, and is happy to go out and 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 meet people but still know that you're in a competition, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a quilting class. <laughs> it's a, it's a political class that we run yeah. um, and it is competitive. But what I, what always really annoys me is this idea that um, women may not be as competitive as men. And that is garbage. Mm. It's absolute garbage. Maybe in some ways we compete differently, but we are just as competitive Um and but you need that streak within you mm-hmm. to to um to get involved and think about when or the listeners think about when you see maybe four candidates in front of you um at the candidate forum and they're on the stage and you get you get a sense from three of them that their heart is really in it mm-hmm. and they really want to win and you get a sense from the fourth going, you're going, I'm not sure that person really yeah, <laughs> um, has yeah. the competitive spirit. You, voters feel that. Yes, yes, yes for, um, sure. for And sure. we want those with that have that spirit in them because we know yeah. that when they're in that chamber, they need to advocate for us. Yeah, yeah. And they need to have that spirit to be able to do that. On that, I'm glad you brought that up because they need to advocate for us. I just want to draw on something for a moment. Um, there's the new UK Prime Minister that's just been yeah. <laughs> put into power. And I think he's the fourth consecutive Prime Minister without a general election that's been put into, into office. That's a big deal in and of itself. But I wanted just to make, uh, there's a, many people who are happy because he's the first Asian Prime Minister in the UK. But also there's an equal amount of people who are not so happy who are from an Asian background. And the reason they're not happy is because, or they're a bit hesitant, is because they say that he, although his parents were migrants and they came and then they built their life and he became what he's become, he is not giving that same opportunity for the people who he now represents, the same cohort. And so I wanted to ask your opinion on that because we're advocating for women to get into office. What happens in a situation where, just like the current situation of the prime minister, who's not advocating for refugees or migrants because he's not, but he's from that background. And at the same token, what if women get into power and in office, I don't advocate, what, how, how do you circumvent that? How do you handle that? Yeah, it's... Um... It's such an interesting and complex area as well. And, you know, people's views on um, on Rishni now being the, the PM of the UK, you know, that disparate views just shows me how you can never please all of the people mm. all of the time. Um, so that has to be part of your um, knowledge, uh, your acknowledgement when you run and when you are a politician 
that you cannot please all of the people all of the time and that is not your role. Your role is to stick with your value set and prosecute that case. Now, just because you're a woman does not mean that you have the same value set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want it to be thus. Just because you're someone from the queer community doesn't mean that you have the same value set. Just because you're a woman of colour doesn't mean that you have the same value set. What we are aiming for is that if you have um, gender parity uh, in political chambers or on a board or in any sort of leadership skills, then, then by virtue of that quantum, you have different value sets and different lived experience at the table that equalizes that equalizes that experience um when you have like you know a lot of commentary around um tony abbott's cabinet when julie bishop was the only woman in that cabinet and and people frustrated with julie that she didn't do more for women Mm -hmm. um and it's but if you if you analyze with any you know with any clear mind, then you'll see when you're one of fifteen, <laughs> um, it's hard to advocate. Okay, yeah. You need to be flanked by at least a forty to sixty percent ratio is what is what's shown. Um, to be able to advocate and get outcomes. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And especially the added layer of a party a loyalty, sticking my party values. And I, I guess the, the empathy there is great because just because you've chosen someone from a diverse background, trying to be inclusive, doesn't mean you're gonna get the results that produces that, the, that reason why you've got them in, that, in the, that position in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, that's where tokenism can come into things. So so how you defeat tokenism is that you have the quantum to be able to choose from, a universe, you know, of 30 women of colour, you know, a universe of um, 20 First Nations women, you know, and to be, and that is what equalises. Yeah. The different value sets that you will always get because we're dealing with people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, is there anything that I mean? I've tried to cover everything that I possibly can. The barriers that women face, I know, things like that that I'm seeing around me are things that I'm not qualified enough. That I I, I don't know what's involved. So it would be complicated. Oh, if you power? care, you're qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. But I'm saying like in terms of how women, like from the people that conversations that I have with my friends and the conversations that I hear, it's that I don't know how it works and I don't know, it's so like convoluted and it's just over there somewhere. But yeah. there's no one that, you, you can't go to a, a careers counsellor and ask, how does it work? Because she doesn't know. <laughs> no, and that, look, I, I say I was 40 years old when I realised that the Senate was the same thing as the upper house. <laughs> Um, oh wow, wow! Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm not embarrassed to admit no. it. I I don't remember being taught it. Mm. I just don't, you know, unicameral, bicameral. 
preference, you know, mm. um, it's just, it's, it is so opaque, but I, I think, you know, like I said before, the thing that I would want your listeners to, to really, um, consider and for them to have conversations with their girlfriends and mothers and sisters is this notion of rebranding how we consider power and that that women just and it's always been thus that power that's hummed hummed away in the background that keeps our communities together mm. that is powerful and that it is that power that our political chambers need so that we want them to self-select, to mm. go, all right, I'm doing nine-tenths of what a political representative does already. Um, women for election can help with the one-tenth, which is, you know, how would I run a campaign? But they don't need new skills. Okay. They don't need new leadership skills. Mm. Um the skills they are exhibiting every day in their community is more than enough. We just want it wow. in our political chambers to, to make a difference for all Australians, not just women and girls. Yeah, no, I love that. I absolutely love it. You make it sound, I'll tell you what, Lucia, you make it sound so straightforward and easy, which is what's scary too. Like, really? <laughs> You're not just having me on there, are you? <laughs> well, I mean, this is... This is part of that narrative again, isn't it? It's complex. It's mm. duh, 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 duh. Look, I'm not saying that there's not lots of pieces to the puzzle, but but once we show you all the puzzle pieces, mm. then it just becomes a to-do list. Mm. You need to do this, then you need to do that, then you need to do that, then you need to do that. And I don't know a woman who can't, you know, just mow her way through a to-do list. Mm. Um, because that's all it is. I, I know. Again, I'm. I'm being. It sounds like I'm being ov overly simplistic, but that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. So to do list, you just go through it. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> the hardest bit of any woman's campaign ever is admitting outwardly that she wants to run. And once she has actually done that, the rest is a to-do list. Jeez. Funny, isn't it? Jeez Louise, you're hitting buttons there. <laughs> yeah, it's the hardest bit. Just admit at the barbecue that I want to run. Oh, <laughs> I can see you, Rita. I see you. <laughs> I see you. Oh, Lucy, I'm telling you, 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 you found your calling because you're so good at what you're doing. I mean, <laughs> you're advocating for something that I can feel within you, your passion and just your, your the way you use your words yeah. is just hitting. It's just, it's just hitting. It's, it's like slam dunk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, let's make sure this podcast gets out far and wide then because there's still not enough women that know that we even exist. Yes. Okay. Any way, any way that you and your listeners can help us do that, then you know I'm. I, okay. I'll talk to anyone all the time. For sure, for sure. Before I let you go, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, is there a question that you wish I would have asked you, but I haven't? No, no. I love I love the territory that we've covered. Okay, all right, super duper. And then my last thing, I'm going to just give you a rapid fire round. 
Ooh, first okay. answer is the right answer. <laughs> Ooh, okay, Let, let's do it. <laughs> okay. First question is, is it harder or easier for women to be in politics? Harder. Do you prefer texting or talking? <laughs> texting. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I do so much talking in my life that, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's given you more opportunities, what you know or who you know? What I know. Yeah. You know, every single person that I've asked that question says what that because the the premise is, you know, it's what it's who you know, it's who you know, but you've just said what you know, right? Yeah, well, if I didn't know what I'd know, then I couldn't pull the levers of who I know. Jeez Louise, okay, amazing. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what do you believe that others think is crazy? What do I believe that other people think is crazy? Ooh. Um, yeah, that politics isn't toxic. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're just, like, taking all my belief systems out. <laughs> You're yeah. wiring my brain here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where would you go if you were invisible? Cabinet room. Ooh. What's the most difficult part of standing for elections? Admitting that you want to run. Mm -hmm. What networking method have you has worked for you? Schools networks. Oh, okay. Yep. Mums in P and C's and things like that. Okay. Talk okay. about volunteer extraordinaires and highly networked people. Yep. Okay. Okay. And then last question. What's one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Public speaking. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Such an important skill and even when you're scared, the more you do it, the less scared you become. Yeah, true that. Lysia, thank you so much for your time. This has been eye-opening. This has literally, I didn't think I would be like, but I, I literally am. <laughs> I'm taking deep breaths here. I'm, the, I'm being really cool here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my oh, God. Well, you know, thank you for, for getting in touch. And I'm just so happy that we had the opportunity to showcase what we do and, you know, our future ambitions as well. So mm -hmm. thanks, Rita. Thank you so much. And once again, it's www wfe.org.au yep beautiful awesome thank you and thank you listeners and we will be back next week thank you lucia thanks rita